Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. This is a special day. God's already been doing some amazing things in the life and the heart of our church. We've seen people come to know Jesus today, and it's, that was the early service. Normally, unsaved people don't get up that early. But today, somebody guilted them into being back at church, and we took full advantage of it. It has been great. Grab your Bibles, if you would. John chapter 21 is where the Lord is bringing us today. And as we turn there, I want to say thank you to everyone that's supporting us faithfully with tithes, with offerings. Uh, your financial gifts to this ministry have been, uh, it's, it's just such a wonderful thing to see that in the midst of all that we've had to walk through this past year, that God's people have still supported his church. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. This is a big deal. John chapter 21, we're going to talk about come to Jesus moments and specifically about living on the wrong side of Easter. Somebody say the wrong side, wrong side. of Easter. So these are the, uh, the come to Jesus moments that happen right after the resurrection of our Lord. So in case you didn't notice, in case you're unfamiliar with the story, Jesus does not just go to the cross. He doesn't just go to a tomb. He gets up out of the tomb, which is the story of Easter, conquering death, conquering hell and the grave once and for all. And in these moments, Jesus decides to do what only Jesus can do. He shows you his brilliant sense of humor. I am not kidding. If you've only read the story as the story of the, the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus, like, wow, that's a great story, and you can't see the humor in it, you're missing some brilliant stuff. Because Jesus begins to appear to his disciples and to his friends, and he comes in disguise. He changes his face, and he has crazy conversations with them that I, I can't help but find the humor in. He walks to Mary, and she's freaking out. He's like, hey, why, why are you crying? What's going on? That's funny to me. It says she turns around and looks at him, and she thinks it's the gardener. That's funny to me. Jesus came disguised as a Mexican. <laughs> Laugh, you bunch of racists. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he's like, hey, what's going on in the city? It sounds like this, uh, there's some crazy things going on. They're like, where have you been? Haven't you heard the story? No, I haven't heard it. What's going on? <laughs> he walks through walls into rooms with his disciples, and he says stuff like, peace be with you. And they're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> How did you get in here? They're terrified. They're freaking out. And Jesus just shows up walking through walls. I love it. If you can't find humor in that, check your pulse. That is awesome. And now scripture tells us it's the third time that he spe specifically appeared to Peter. Now, Peter was different because Peter had denied Christ after he said that he wouldn't. And multiple times now, Jesus is in the same room with Peter, and Peter is avoiding the moment where he has to come face to face with Jesus, avoiding those come to Jesus moments. And it's easy to look at that story and say, hey, that's a pretty neat story. Yeah, he should really um, take full advantage of Jesus and miss that we're a lot like Peter. And for some of you, you've been avoiding Easter all year long. I'll step on your toes. I'm not scared. It's Easter. I can do what I want. Anything to avoid that come to Jesus moment, that awkwardness that is existing in the human heart where you know that Jesus is right here and you've got to make a choice. In these moments, Peter decides to do what many of us would do. He goes fishing. Jesus tells him, wait for me next to the Sea of Tiberias. I'm going to meet you there. But the anxiety of that moment is too much for Peter. And this is what happens. Pick it up in verse 3. He says, I'm going to go out to fish. Simon Peter told him, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went and got into the boat. But that night they caught, somebody say the next word, nothing. nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. So here he is pranking them again. And Jesus says, 
friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and then you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And do not miss this next verse because if you can't find humor in this, you might be at the wrong church. Then the disciple of whom Jesus loved, which we know is John, and in case you didn't realize which book you're in and who wrote it, this is John referring to himself (laughs) as the disciple that Jesus loves. Over and over throughout his writings, he's like, oh yeah, and um, I was special. (laughs) He loved me. He tolerated the rest of those jokers, but he loved me. And he constantly refers to himself as T-O-J-L, the one Jesus loved. It's kind of like C-3PO, but cooler, the one Jesus loves. You can call me T-J for short, because I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm not the one that betrayed him. That was this guy. The one that Jesus loves says to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wraps his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off. He jumps into the water. I need you to see the desperation in that moment where he could avoid that come to Jesus moment no longer. He had to get to Jesus. Look in verse nine. When they had landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbs back into the boat, drags the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net wasn't torn. And Jesus said to them, my favorite scripture ever in the history of all scriptures is right here. Come and have breakfast. Yes, Jesus, that will be done. Somebody needs to tattoo that scripture on your arm. That's a good one. Forget that Philippians 4.13 crap. Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him. I love this. In this moment, Jesus still has not proven that he's Jesus, that he's still in disguise. But says, no, they didn't dare ask him, who, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Only Jesus could do this. And look at this. Look at what, what, what happens in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know, I I, I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? They answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then it says, and Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time do you love me he said lord you know all things you you know that i love you and he said feed my sheep this is a powerful moment where he crosses from the wrong side of easter to the right side of easter let's take a moment and pray lord i thank you for your word i thank you that even though it's written thousands of years ago it still speaks right to where we are today would you open up your word and let us understand it better in jesus name and everyone said together Amen, amen, amen. So uh, let's talk about the wrong side, the wrong side of Easter. And there are two sides to it. There's the wrong, there's the right. You see, on one side of Easter, it's all about works. It's all about religion. It's all about the rules. And on the other side is a beautiful thing called grace, grace. But Peter still chooses to live with the failure of all that he has done to let Jesus down instead of recognizing that, hey, that tomb is empty and there is grace now for mistakes, even for mine. You ever been on the wrong side of something? For some of you, you're like, yes, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. For others of us, you're like, I'm on the wrong side of my STEMI. Everybody else got a stimulus check, but not me. The Lord knows I would tithe on that. 
You ever been on the wrong side of a prank? You know, if you're, if you're on the right side of a prank, it's really, really cool to prank people. If you're on the wrong side, you're like, hey, I'm not friends with you anymore. <laughs> Depending upon your sense of humor. Uh, this, uh, my daughter has a great sense of humor that she obviously gets from her mom. But my, my daughter decided to pull a prank on me. She put cake icing inside of my toothpaste tube. And I brushed my teeth for three days with cake icing. That happened. And for three days, I was brushing my teeth and I'm like, oh, what is wrong with this toothpaste? This is, is this the cheap stuff? Are we, are we broke? Because this is the worst toothpaste of all time. And my wife is so sweet. My wife cannot lie. My wife, when you're, when you're asking her a direct question and she can't give you the answer without giving it away, she'll just... <laughs> because she won't lie. And I love that about her. But I kept asking her, what's wrong with this toothpaste? And she would just... <laughs> about the third day, I'm like, okay, something is wrong. I'm throwing this toothpaste. I gotta throw this away because this is nasty. And my daughter's like, I got you, I got you. I'm like, what is this? She said, it's cake icing. I'm like, now I'm diabetic. (laughs) You gave me the diabetes. She felt bad, not bad enough. You know, I've been on the wrong side of a lot of things. I've never been on the wrong side of an argument. (laughs) Not a single one of you amen to me. Nobody else living in denial except for me. Peter chooses to live on the wrong side of Easter and he stays there in the midst of his failure until he can take it no longer. And I wanna just, uh, as I'm looking at the life of Peter, I, I, I can't help but, but, but love him because I see so much of myself in his life because he, he overestimates his strengths, he underestimates temptation and he fails and it's so easy when he's faced with his failure to drift right back into the life that he experienced before Christ. And we all have done this at some point or another. You get confronted with the brilliance, the beauty of what Christ has done for us, but we get uncomfortable and we drift back to something that is more comfortable to us, even though we know it produces nothing. And this is what happens. I love that Jesus meets him and calls him back into a life of significance, calls him back into a life of purpose. So how would I know if I'm living on the wrong side of Easter? And it's a choice that each of us have to make. The first clue that we see from the life of Peter that I've experienced in my own life is number one, when you can't get past the past. Somebody say amen right there, because this is the truth. He can't seem to get past the past. This is the third time now that Jesus appeared to him and Jesus begins to speak to him. Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? It takes him seven times before he's finally at a place where he breaks where Jesus begins to deal with what happened. You know, not only had Peter let himself down, but he feels let down by what Jesus did not do that Peter thought he was supposed to do. See, over and over in scripture, Peter confronts the fact that Jesus has not delivered the nation of Israel from underneath Roman rule. And Jesus is like, I'm not here about politics. My kingdom is not of this world. It's not about politics. I'll keep saying the word politics until you get what I'm laying down. It's not about politics politics. My kingdom is not of this world. There's something higher and holier than that. And because Jesus did not do what Peter thought he should do, make these things right. Because he's so concerned with a revolution, but Jesus is more concerned with holiness, with purpose. 
that Peter feels like Jesus has let me down. And you may have experienced something similar when people let you down and you just can't seem to get past it. It might be a husband or a wife or a teacher or a mom or a dad or a boss, but somebody did not do what you thought they should do and those unmet expectations keep us living and stuck in the loop of that moment. And we repeat it over and over like Groundhog Day. You remember this movie where you just repeat the same day over and over and over? This is where Peter stays stuck in his denial of Jesus. The thing that he swore he would never do, he actually ends up swearing and doing it. And he lives with the failure of that moment. You know, life has a way of making us relive the past. And you repeat it over and over. Einstein said it's, it's the definition of insanity. Repeating something over and over and expecting different results. But this is where we find Peter. The second clue that we see that he's living on the wrong side of Easter is he does what many of us do, mistaking activity for purpose. Mistaking activity for purpose. And what we do, instead of having the come to Jesus moment where we allow him to begin to speak into our purpose, we just get busy. And busyness, by the way, is contagious. Peter says, I'm going fishing, and the rest of them's like, yeah, me too, that sounds good. Let's do something. But Jesus says, you're supposed to be waiting for me. Like, yeah, well, I'm just gonna get busy. I'm gonna get busy. You know, if I'm not careful, I'll get busy and fool myself into believing that I'm making a difference with my life. Not really making a difference. You just got busy. And this keeps many of us from ever becoming what Christ has called us to be because we are busy. And we choose to live on the wrong side of Easter instead of becoming who God has purposed you to be. There's a better way. You know, I love that Jesus speaks to what this really is. This is immaturity. It's immaturity. And when Jesus calls out to them, he says, friends, uh, have you guys caught any fish? And by the way, when Jesus asks a question, he already knows the answer. He knows. And as we're looking deeper into this scripture, he, he says the word friends. But honestly, that's really a bad translation of what this word means. You see, in the original language, this word is not, is not friends. This word is children children and as a matter of fact it means children who haven't been potty trained yet that that are supposed to have been so this gives a little bit of a different spin on what jesus has said you cannot help but see the sense of humor in that he's like you're like babies you're supposed to be walking and you decide it's easier to crawl you're supposed to be becoming what I've called you to be and you're going back into what's more comfortable. You ever seen a baby do this? They're supposed to be stepping and they're like, yeah, no. Life is much simpler down here. And we see what's right and what's necessary for this child to become, but we don't have the same ability to look at our own lives and realize we do the same thing. Jesus is calling us out of our immaturity. You're more than just busy. You're called to a life of purpose. The third clue that we see that Peter is living on the wrong side of Easter that I've experienced multiple times in my own life is this simple lie, believing that what I used to do will fulfill me. What I used to do will fulfill me. He says that they fished all night and caught, somebody say the word, nothing, nothing. So not only does it not produce what you think it's gonna produce, but Jesus says it's immaturity, you're better than this, and we, we tend to do the same thing. When, we're, when Jesus is calling us to live on the right side of Easter, to become what he has called us to become, we step back into something more comfortable and it's not as cool as you remember. It's kind of pathetic. It's kind of weird because you're better than that. And you know it, 
but you're getting busy doing what you've always done, believing that it's gonna be some sort of, have some sort of fulfillment in there, but it just doesn't fulfill because the call of God ruins you for anything else. You can't go back. You can't go back. It's weird. It's awkward. It's like the McConaughey character in Dazed and Confused where he keeps talking about how much he loves high school girls and he's like 30 and his buddies are like, dude, that's creepy. <laughs> high school girls, man. Like, are you weird? That's pathetic. <laughs> but yet we do the same thing when we live on the wrong side of Easter. It doesn't produce what you think. We're not growing. It's pathetic. It's awkward. It's weird. It's creepy. It produces nothing. Do you see this? Believing what I used to do is gonna fulfill me. I think it's important to see what, what Peter talks about it, later on in his life when he's writing to the church in 2 Peter chapter two. He talks about this moment when he says this in verse 21. It says, it would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turn their backs. And this is important because he's describing his own life. He said, I remember what it felt like in that moment to have an intimate relationship with Jesus and then to turn my back on him and to spend just a few days away and avoiding eye contact with him, avoiding that come to Jesus moment. He said, man, it, it might would have been better. That just, ignorance was bliss. But once you know Jesus, it just ruins you for anything else. You can't ignore it. It's always tugging at the back of your heart. It's calling you to live on the right side of Easter where there's freedom, where there's purpose, where there's something more than the way that you've settled for. So what does it look like when I start choosing to live on the right side of Easter? When I, when I make the choice to respond to these call of Jesus moments, these come to Jesus moments, what does it look like? And the first thing that we see in the life of Peter is that he begins to hunger to know the real God. It says the moment that, 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 that T-O-J-L, the one Jesus loves, says, that's the Lord. What does it say that Peter does? He jumps off the boat and he swims 100 yards. As a matter of fact, it says he puts on his outer garment. I don't know about you, but if I'm about to swim 100 yards, I want less clothes, not more. You gotta, you gotta take some weight off because that's a long way. And some of you still think you could swim 100 yards. No, you can't. Once you pass 40, it's all in your mind, boo-boo. No, you can't. You can't even run 100 yards. You're gonna run about 25 and be like, this is stupid. <laughs> but there's a desperation in this moment to know the real God. And you're gonna notice that this begins to happen inside of you as you begin to make the choice to live on the right side of Easter, live under grace and not the law, then you're gonna hunger for God's word. You're gonna hunger for his presence. You're gonna start hungering for church. You're gonna start having a hunger to serve God's people. It won't just be enough to hear some story about Jesus. You gotta get into the mix. You gotta become his hands and feet. There's a hunger to know the real God. And I love this about Peter, that he stops avoiding that moment and he has a breakfast by the beach with Jesus, the moment that he's been avoiding. I think for some of us in this place, this is your moment that you've been avoiding for a while. Mm -hmm. We see this hunger to know the real God in the life of Peter, and there's a hunger that you can't deny to know the real God, more than just the church, to know him. Paul says, oh, that I might know him. I wanna know him, and the, even the fellowship of his suffering, I, I want in, I want all in. There's a hunger to know God, the second thing that we see in the life of Peter is he begins to find freedom. To find 
freedom. So the things that used to keep him bound to his failure, all of a sudden, Jesus doesn't just avoid those. He begins to deal with them. He puts the spotlight of his love right on those moments of failure. And I love that about Jesus because he doesn't just avoid our yesterdays. He redeems them. He redeems them. He said, instead of you covering them up, let's bring them to the surface. I'm going to shine the light of my love and my word upon those things. And they're going to become your, your testimony. Your testimony. In this, in, the, in this scripture, as I'm looking deeper, I, there was something that I had never seen before. And I've read this uh, as, as many times as anybody in this room, probably. I've read this so many times. I, I love everything about this story. But something I'd never noticed was how rare this simple word that John uses is. The word that he uses for fire, it says Jesus built a fire made out of charcoal there for Peter. That word is really, really rare. It only appears twice in the Bible, which is really uncommon because fire is all throughout the Bible. It's kind of a central theme, the fire. But this particular fire only appears twice. It's a charcoal fire that appears once in John chapter 21 where Jesus is restoring Peter. And the other time that it appears is around the fire that Peter warms himself when he denies that he ever knew Jesus. And Jesus, in his brilliance, takes him back to that moment of his greatest failure with the smell of it. And instead of avoiding it, like Peter's been trying to do, he takes him right back with the smell. A smell can remind you of things. It takes you back to a special place. And Jesus, in his brilliance, says, don't avoid that anymore. Give that to me. He begins to speak to him and say, do you love me? And there's freedom there from your greatest failure. Do you see this? Oh, when you, when you start living on the right side of Easter, he begins to shine a spotlight up on your failures and redeems them. You see, the right side of Easter doesn't judge you by what you've done, but by who you're becoming in Christ. He says, I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You don't have to avoid it. You can find freedom. And for some of us in this place, that's, that's, that's got to become more than a pipe dream. There is freedom that only comes through Jesus Christ. And he wants you to find it. We want to help you to find that. The third thing that begins to happen as Peter chooses to live on the right side of Easter is he starts discovering and rediscovering his purpose. See, for, fun, for some of us, you, 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 you believe that God created you on purpose for a purpose, but you've never been told what that is. You have no one helping you discover what that purpose is. I think that's the, one of the greatest disservices that a church can ever do to a follower of Christ is tell you that you have a purpose and never tell you how to figure out what that is. Why do we do that? Let us help you to figure out what God has purposed your life for. And it's more than just buying some more toys. It's more than just catching a record number of fish. Your fishing records aren't gonna change people's lives. <laughs> There's more to you than that. And I love that he begins to discover in his purpose that he's not a fisherman. He's a shepherd. And it's not in the natural, it's the supernatural. It's the spiritual. It's more than just shepherding sheep, it's shepherding people. You know, as we dig deeper into the story, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me more than these and I've read this story and I've heard it preached many, many times. This is a wonderful story about God's redemption. But every time I've heard this story preached, they always talk about how Jesus says, do you love me more than these as a reference to the other brothers that were there? Because Peter had obviously said, I love you more than these, more than these other guys. I love you more than that. When Jesus says, no, you don't. As a matter of fact, before this rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. But that's not what the text says. As a matter of fact, when Jesus says, do you love me more than these? He uses the Greek word hutas, which doesn't mean people. It means fish. Fish. 
do you love me more than these things? Do you love me more than fish? Because in your own strength, you caught nothing. With my word, you caught a record. You've seen the lows and the highs of your best day. And is that what you want with the rest of your life? Do you love me more than these things? You know, for you, it's probably not fish, but you have a these. You have a these. And I wonder what these is to you. And if Jesus was sitting across from a fire, taking you back to your worst failure and saying, do you love me? more than this thing that you're using to mask your failure. Do you love me more than that? Because this is what we do. And for you, it may look like pornography. For you, it may look similar to what my story is, which was addiction. I had a drug habit that I could not control. Raised in church, raised to know better, choosing something so far beneath my calling and living in hell because I was running from it, just like Peter. Thank God that he confronts me in my sin and says, do you love me more than that? See, addiction is giving up everything for one thing, but redemption and recovery is about giving up that one thing for everything. This is where Jesus takes Peter back to his purpose and saying, is this your purpose, fish? Or could it be that you wanna trust me with something better? What's your these? What is that for you? I want you to know today that your life's purpose is not about what you do. It's about what God will do through you if you let him. If you let him. It's a choice that each of us has to make. And my friend, please hear me. There's some things that you're paid to do. There's other things that you're made to do. And there's a big difference between the two. You cannot mask one for the other and call it purpose. It's not the same. One is a career and maybe you're successful. But the other one is purpose and making a difference. And that's what you're gonna want at the end of your life. I've had the great privilege and high honor of being with many people at the end of their life and I've never heard a single person talk about, I wish I'd have made more money. Not one. They look back at their life and hope that they made a difference. Jesus speaks to Peter and says, do you love me more than these? Because I wanna redeem your life and use you to ultimately, number four, you're gonna, your life will start making a difference when you live on the right side of Easter. You're gonna make a difference. My life begins to make a difference. And Jesus has to take Peter to this moment where he gets over himself in order to truly walk into his purpose. You know, in, in the original language, it says Peter was grieved when Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Grieved. That word grief doesn't just mean he has an emotional breakthrough. It's the word that we use when a woman pushes out a baby that's the kind of grief that John captures in this moment. It's like a delivery of something new was born and there's pain, but there's joy in that moment. And there's something that is, that is painful, but it's also something that comes with hope. And until you've been in the labor and delivery room, until you've had that experience, now I've never had it happen personally, contrary to popular belief, but I've been in the room and I've seen that pain all of a sudden turns into something different when the baby is born. And this is the moment that Jesus called out of Peter when he walks away from what he thought was his purpose and what he thought was comfortable, what ends up being insanity and being stuck in a time loop, repeating the same mistakes over and over, Jesus calls him out of that and births something brand new 
And is it painful in the moment? Yes. Is it a little bit embarrassing when the other disciples are looking at him as he has this private conversation with Jesus? Yes. Is it awkward when Jesus says, hey, three times, do you love me? Do you love me? But do you love me? Yes, it's awkward. But he needed it. And so do you. Please hear me. Your life does not have an unlimited amount of come to Jesus moments. And 2020, the year that we've just walked through, has pulled more people away from the kingdom of God than I've ever seen in my entire life. More people have walked away from church. And I get it, maybe some churches aren't healthy. We've, we've been hit in this city left and right. Many, many churches have come through some, some horrible things. Horrible things. I get it. But you can't let those things stop who you are. You're a child of God before you're a member of a church. And you are called to be in community with other believers. And Jesus is calling you back to your purpose, to a life that makes a difference. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? My friend, you've got a choice to make. A choice to stay stuck with where you are, to stay stuck living in the anxiety and the confusion that last year brought you through, or today could be a new day. You see, the power of Easter is proven by how it still transforms lives. It's not just a story. It's a call to live on the right side of Easter, the side of grace, the side of forgiveness, the side of hope, the side of purpose. And this is your come to Jesus moment. If you've been out of church, this is your come to Jesus moment. If you've been away from God spiritually, this is your come to Jesus moment. If you have never known the saving power of your Savior, this is your come to Jesus moment. Don't avoid it. Don't walk away from it. Face it. It's good for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a simple question. My friend, do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life? Because if you don't have a specific moment where you've asked him to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins, then this is going to be your moment. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not here to embarrass you in any way. I will not do that. I'm not gonna single you out. I'm not gonna put you on display. I just wanna give you the same opportunity that someone gave me one time. I wanna lead you in a prayer. And you can pray this out loud or in your heart. It doesn't matter. The most important thing is that you believe it. And if you want to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, or if you've been away from God and you need to come home, then this prayer is for you. Pray with me. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came and died, but rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me, save me. In Jesus' name I pray. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that was you, my friend, and you just prayed that prayer with me, maybe for the very first time, would you just raise your hand up all over this place? That was me, Pastor, I pray with you, good. Good, I see you up there, good. Good for you. Good. I see you, young lady. Good for you. I see you. Good. I'm so proud of you. Good for you. 
If you're watching online and you just prayed that prayer, if you accepted Christ into your heart, if you took that first step, would you do me a favor? Would you text me? That's the easiest way. The number is 94090. Text the words, I prayed. It's a huge honor every week to see people that respond from all over the globe. If you liked what you saw today, if you're enjoying this message, do me a favor and share it with your friends. Use your social media, click the share button. That would mean a lot to us. Highridge family, would you guys go ahead and stand to your feet? God has been doing some amazing things here today and I wanna invite our elders to the front. They're gonna stay up here after the service is over to pray for any prayer needs that you may have. We believe that our God still answers prayers. Do you believe that? He still answers prayers. There are a lot of needs in our world that need some prayer. And I wanna encourage you, get prayed for. Let somebody pray with you. Let me pray for you and bless you as we send you out. Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray that every one of my friends within the sound of my voice would have an amazing week following after you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, walking in your purpose every day of their lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone together said, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Happy Easter.